Yeah, what is going on, everybody? We are back with another episode of From My Experience Podcast. I am your host, Rob. Rolling solo today, but I do have an interview for y'all. Um, you know how we start the show. I want to thank all of our listeners. What month is this? March already. It's March. Today, uh, April 1st. Oh, it's April. Dang. Today, April 1st. Today, April, 1st. <laughs> April Fools, y'all. April, April Fools. <laughs> um, wow, it's April. Um, yeah, I, it's been a week. I'm on spring break, y'all, so uh, forgive me. I've been resting and... Y'all injured my damn self. It's, it's, it's been a crazy week, but I'm good, though. Um, shout out to our affiliates, Acre Gold, Retro Mimi, Black Water, Gardener's Garden, and last but definitely not least, Jot Forms. All of those links will be in the description for those of you who would like to sign up and try out those services and products. Please make sure you check them out. Today, we have a very special guest. Um... He took some time out to speak with me. He's a good brother, member of Cap Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated, a new. Um, and he is doing some phenomenal things. It's funny, uh, what he's doing right now is something that has been in the back of my mind since I was younger. And I'm definitely going to have to pick his brain about this to figure out how I can help or become a part of it. That'd be a great thing um, I'd love to do. But ladies and gentlemen, we have the CEO of Evolve Sports, Mr. Devin Butler. Woo! How you doing? Thank you. That was a great introduction. Man, how are you, man? Uh, good. I'm surviving. I uh, I forgot to tell you, if you ain't seen, I just had hip surgery a couple of days ago, so I'm out here on one leg. But oh, don't, it don't stop my podcast, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, wow, I really appreciate you being here, man. Dang, man. What's going yeah. on with your hip? I mean, basically, just from basketball, so like, we'll get all that... Into, into the interview, basically, you know, from playing in college, from high school all the way to now, just kind of took a toll on me. And I just, it was time for me to get stuff fixed, especially going into all the stuff that I'm doing. So, okay, just had to get myself right. So, let me talk to you. This is the first question I have for you. When, when did your passion for basketball or just sports in general, when, when did that start for you? Uh, so, basketball, so it actually didn't start till later, honestly. I played baseball. So, okay. Um, I played basketball and sports for fun, but I really was a real good baseball player up until uh, around 10, 11 years old. I used to live in Louisiana, so I was playing baseball, football, pretty much all the sports or whatever. But I didn't really have a, let's say, a passion for basketball. I, I really liked it. But when I got to, say, around like sixth, seventh grade, that's when I actually got a passion for uh, basketball. And I still played baseball, and I pretty much gave baseball up when I was 14. Mm. And that's when I really, really took it seriously. So I had a short window to get real good in basketball. Because in baseball-wise, I was good enough to play high level. But it, it, baseball was just boring to me. Uh, it, wasn't, it really wasn't fun. I just was naturally good in it. Uh, basketball, I loved it, but then I wasn't good in basketball. So I, I made a decision at 14 that... I'm going to go ahead and take basketball serious. And I had to catch up a lot because I didn't play AAU or none of that stuff until mm. um, late 14, which for basketball, that's late. They start playing AAU basketball at seven and eight years old. Jeez. So I, I, would, I, only, I didn't start playing AAU until I got to high school. Uh, you, know, baseball, you know, baseball season is during AAU season in the spring. Okay. So it wasn't no AAU for me. So that's when I took it seriously. So the passion really came at – Basically, like 2002, 2003, that's when I went all in and only played basketball and wanted to go to college. 
You made me feel old just now. 2002, 2003, <laughs> I was a senior in high school. Oh, my um, bad. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So against all odds, man, um, what what are some of your, your fondest memories? Or what are you, like you said, you definitely had to catch up. What what are some of the things that you remembered, I guess, amongst your peers? And you was like, dang, I got I to gotta get my game up. Uh, the thing that motivated me the most playing basketball, so at that time, at 12, 13, 14, playing pickup, I didn't, I didn't used to get picked up. Like, so say if it was, we was playing three on three and it was 10 or 11 people, I would have to play the next game. Or if it was, you know, six of us, I, I would be the last one picked. So, you know, I was, I wasn't as good as everybody else. And I used to hate that. So that, that motivated me to, uh, to keep playing. And then when I finally got decent enough, I made the ninth grade team, but I didn't play. Like, I was on the team, but I didn't really play. Mm. And so I, 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 I hated that feeling, and that's when I just really, really took it serious. So I spent hours and hours and hours working out. But, like, I never used to get picked up uh, unless I had to. I would always have to play the next game, and I didn't play ninth grade yet, uh, really. I hardly played on JV. Sheesh. So how did that transition work from high school to college? Well, so at the first uh, – obviously, I didn't play a lot ninth grade – um, and one game, I actually got an opportunity. That's when I knew I could do it. Everybody was playing bad. We was playing this team called McNair High School, and everybody was playing bad the whole the whole game. And he gave everybody opportunity. So he kind of we went to the locker room. He said, Eric, "All y'all just keep playing bad." He said, "I'm tired of all y'all. I'm just about to go ahead and play Devin." It was like like a Dang. insult type thing. Like like since y'all <laughs> since y'all don't want to play hard, I'm just gonna play him. And so it was like I'm about to see. So he let me start the second half, and I scored 12 points in like four minutes. Mm. And I got I got us back in the game and got us the league. And I played the whole third quarter and two minutes of the fourth, and we ended up taking a lead. And then when I sat down, he was like, "Come on, you about to keep playing?" I couldn't even play no more because I was so out of breath or whatever. But that's when I knew I I could I had a chance. So then my sophomore year, I came back. And I was the leading scorer in DeKalb County and, and JV. So mm. I ended up playing JV again, but I was the leading scorer. And I took the team to the uh, championship, and we ended up losing. Dang. And so that's when I knew I started turning the corner, basically. Uh, then, because I averaged like 25 a game, and the year before, I averaged two. Sheesh. Uh, so I went from 25 to two, basically, in one summer. And then after that, I ended up um, transferring to a better school called Dunwoody High School, and that's when I started getting the looks and stuff. So I did a complete turnaround in like a small four-year span. I really only had three years to kind of get good enough to get a college scholarship, basically. So, yeah. You was dead ass. Like. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a short turnaround, but I worked out so much because I hated I hated getting picked up last and not playing. So that's a, And that's a, I, such I a highly competitive thing, man, especially in the black community, well, man. Yeah. Right, especially at the general. guard position. Yeah. At my position, I'm not tall. So if you're tall, it kind of doesn't matter. You're always going to have a chance when you're tall. But when you're six foot, it's, it's kind of tough. Shit. Mm. So what made you decide to come to Claflin University? Well, so when I got – what's like my mom's an AKA, my dad is an alpha. So I, I already knew about the HBCU experience. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to go to an HBCU. So I had um, – I used to always go to camps at Southern University down in Baton Rouge. And then I used to actually go to the um, – and we're getting – I used to go to, like, the Pineywood camps, the capital camps they used to have okay. in Mississippi. But I um, I knew I wanted to go to an HBCU, but I still didn't have a bunch of looks in college at the time because, uh, obviously, you know, I was a late bloomer. Mm -hmm. And so I had, uh, like, Livingstone, Johnson C. Smith, Clark Atlanta, those schools. 
And so I went up to Livingstone. They offered me a full scholarship. And then when I went to do the majors and stuff, they didn't have nothing I wanted to do. I wanted to do mass comm or something in graphics and media right. and photography and all the stuff that I, you see me do now. They didn't have nothing like that. And I was like, man, I just, I, I knew I wasn't that good, especially if you had a D2 level. Now, you D1, you could kind of do that. Uh, but D2 uh, level where I was at, you can't just go to college just to play basketball. Right. So um, the coach there, he, the assistant coach was real cool. And he said, uh, he said, man, I, I know some other options or whatever. He gave me a couple of options. Um, but a family member of mine went to Clapham, Stephen Dow. So, okay. You know, we, went to, we went to, well, you know Stephen. Yeah. Uh, so Stephen, we went to church together and we went to uh, middle school together. So he went to Clapham. And he was like, man, you, you might like it up here. But I was like, dude, I'm only going to places to play basketball. And I literally called my my mom called called coach Woodard where coach Woodard was there at the time and coach <laughs> T she she called them on the phone and said hey you know my son got x this many this many looks and stuff like that but we saw that you had his major and stuff would you be interested in taking a look at him they said yeah can you come tomorrow yeah I think I live in Atlanta yeah. so we literally got in the car drove to class take I know we drove four hours because it took four hours from where we live at to get to Claflin yeah and so remember this is Claflin I remember, I, I don't have a school to go to. This is June. I didn't graduate from college for like a, I mean, from high school for about a month already at yeah. this point. So I, I had places I could have went, like junior colleges and stuff like that. And Livingstone was still on the table. They never took it away from me, but I was, I, I basically didn't want to go there. So this, so I'll go all the way up to Claflin in June. Do you know how hot that it was in June? This was June 2008. <laughs> Man, it was so hot and it was gnats everywhere. The gnats don't be like that now, but back then it was gnats everywhere. So we, listen, we driving and I'm like, bro, what, we in the sticks. You yeah, I think I'm from the city. And we driving and then we get there and then all you hear is somebody blasting music or whatever. And you see this little man jump out this truck and it's Coach Wooder. Yep. And, uh, and uh, Steven and everybody told me, they was like, don't wear the two earrings, all that stuff. Tuck your shirt in because Coach Wood military style. I just got my ears pierced too. Oh. So I yeah, so I had to take my earrings out. Luckily, I got I got somebody to get them back open. I would have to take my earrings out because, you know, you can only wear one earring around him. And I had to drive four hours to get there. I walked around the whole campus in the middle of the summer. So I'm drenched in sweat. Drenched, drenched in sweat, yes. And then I go to the gym. And then I got to work out for Coach T for an hour by myself, full court. Oh, man. And he, and he just sitting in the stands with my mom, and they talking the whole time. And um, after I completed the workout, he brought me to the office, and he said he liked what he said, and he, and he offered me a scholarship right then and there. Wow. And that's, that's how I got the class. and wasn't playing, nothing or whatever. I literally took a leap of faith, drove up there, and worked out. So, yeah, I remember if I would have had a bad workout, I wouldn't have got a scholarship offered to me. Yeah, yeah. So I, I had a good workout, and he he liked the workout, and he he felt like if I could work out good, and if I had scholarships from these other schools, mm -hmm. that like in, like in the CIAA, I could play at Claflin. So absolutely, um, man, absolutely, man. Yeah, so, hey, so that, yeah. No, I was, I was just gonna say, man. Everybody that's listening, that's why you know when you dedicate yourself to something, anything is possible, y'all. Like anything well, is possible. This dude start like sports is one of the hardest things to get into, especially when you start late. Any sport. It's not like yes, yeah, it's, so, it's it's hard. Damn. So um, you are one of the. What's the word I'm looking for? Like you're just an entrepreneur through and through. You, yeah, you so I've never had a job before. You've never had a job? Ever? 
No, I've never had a job. I've never, I've never had a job, man. I'm the opposite. I've had like 30. Yo. No, I've never had a job. Like, so, I couldn't even uh, tell you how it is to apply for one. I've never even applied. I applied for a job before, but I've never accepted a job because I've always just worked for myself. What was that like, man? What are some of the things that you've done before you got into the level that you are at now, which you're going to get into next? What are some of the other, what, what did you used to do? Well, so the first actual job, if you say I did take a job, so the sophomore year at Claflin, um, they had an internships and, the, you know, the, you know, they always be having internships for them. And they had an internship for the Department of Defense in Philadelphia, in Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. But the, the people who was going to take it didn't accept it. But, you know, at Claflin, you know, it's more like a family and they make sure I have financial aid and stuff because I wasn't on a full scholarship. It was pieced together, mm-hmm. basically. And they called me. And it was like they it had nothing to do with my major or nothing like that. They was like they don't want to lose the relationship with the government and those, these internships they have because everybody pulled out. They was like, are you willing to go? And yeah, I remember during the summer, I'm training the whole summer every day all day to get ready for the season. Yeah. Uh, so and then they called me or whatever and you know since people at Claflin did so much for me and and helped make sure I had financial aid to meet the difference of my basketball scholarship I went ahead and went so they it was uh, all paid for I was making a I was making a I was making uh, two thousand dollars every I was making four thousand dollars a month up there it was literally paying me a thousand dollars a week and they gave me housing oh man and you got to be in Philly and yeah, yeah. So I was in, I was in like uh, Hershey, Pennsylvania. So it wasn't far though. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I said I was in Hershey. So I, I was working for Department, uh, Department of Defense, DLA, Defense Logistics Agency. So they like basically how they move the the uh, tanks and stuff around, all the logistics in the army oh. and the military. So I worked in the command center. So I, I worked in the com- the head command center and stuff for the captains and the generals and stuff. So I would transfer their calls and do that wow. would pay. Basically, nothing I had to do with my major, but you know, the relationship with people at Claflin or whatever, they needed it that to be filled. Because, you know, when you the stuff like that don't get taken, you know, the, the school lose that relationship. Yeah, yeah. They go somewhere else. Thank they go somewhere else. Thank you for taking that yeah. up, man, because now that means someone that's there now is probably getting that same opportunity because of you. Exactly, yeah. So that's why I, that, I looked at it like that. So they, get, they gave me a house out there. The only thing I had to do on my own was get up there and provide furniture for the house. Cause it was like on a military base. Uh, that, that's yeah, but they they pay they literally paid me a thousand dollars a week. You got in trouble while, while you was up there? <laughs> nah, there was no black people up there. <laughs> you gotta think I was in Hershey, Pennsylvania. So like, if yeah. I, I I would drive like to New York, to, you know, a lot of people from Clapham from New York and oh, DC. Yeah. So I would I would drive down to DC and hang with everybody from Clapham to drive to New York every weekend. So you know, it's two hours up to New York, two hours down to DC, an hour to Philly. So it was enough Claflin people that I, used, that I was hitting up or wherever to go to either D.C. or New York every weekend. So, like, Friday Friday evening, I was out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you, you lived it up that summer, man. That's yeah, some so of the best I, and I had money had. in my pocket. Come on, man. Oh, yeah. Especially up yes. here, yeah, because that's where I'm at now. So if, if COVID will hurry up and disappear, I can <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting older now, but you know I got some youth left in me to get in these streets. But right. um, yeah, so that, that's what I did. So that's the only job I ever did. So uh, that, so that if you if people want to know an actual job that I actually have, that's the first and only and ever job where I actually worked. Wow. And I did an eight hour day, five days a week. And from that moment on, when I did that, I knew I never wanted to have a job again. <laughs> <laughs> that's when I made the decision, honestly. Dang. All right. So 
after you graduated, what? How did you transition into playing um, overseas? I saw that in your questionnaire, and I've always been curious about that. Um, somebody I went to uh, middle school with actually ended up playing overseas. Um, so, well, so, uh, so transition to play overseas. I mean, I. Uh, so I, so I could, I could backtrack. So, uh, junior year, this is after I did the internship. I ended up changing my major because at MassCom, I mean, I learned everything. I feel like I could learn from there. The only thing I had left, I had like 20 hours left. The only thing left was like the, the internship and, and something else, which is like, it's not a lot. So I, you know, I remember this is 2010, 2011. I only had one more year left of school. Mm -hmm. So I saw the world changing. I saw what was happening with smartphones and graphics and all that stuff. So I switched my major, major to become an art major. That's how I learned how to do everything. So I figured if I learned everything in MassCom, Technically, I didn't get a degree in MassCom, and I did I did an extra year of school and learned everything in art. That means I technically learned every like media skill out there. I could write, I could uh, do journalism, I could do public speaking, I could True. record, I could edit, I could do sound, I could do graphics, photography. I literally know how to do every single aspect because that's how I was able to build my business. Nice. So, so uh, and I, so I said that extra school was going to be worth it because I had an extra year of basketball anyway. So I said I might as well do an extra year of school. So I started my company, DAB Productions, and I went out to, um, since I did an extra year of school, I wasn't graduating with none of my friends no more who played basketball. So all my friends was in Vegas. You know how they do like the Vegas Summer League and stuff? Yeah. So they have the Vegas Summer League for people who are just trying to go overseas. It's just They got the stuff that's on TV, then they got the stuff that's not on TV. Okay. So what? I, so it's like a bunch of camps to go like to different countries, depending on what agent is throwing it. So all my friends was out there in Vegas, and I'm sitting at home in the summer, at, just at my mom's house, and I'm like, man, let me go ahead and go out there to Vegas and go ahead and network. I'm gonna graduate in a year or two anyway. Yeah. And I brought I brought my camera, and so when I went to the nice. camp, there was nobody listening. There was nobody at the camp that was filming the game. So these players are trying to go overseas and trying to perform for these agents and coaches, and nobody was filming the game. And so one agent came up to me. He was like, hey man, can you film my player game? I said, sure. I started filming. It. And then the camp director, I ended up introducing myself to the camp director. And I said, listen, I could come here and film the games or whatever so you could offer filming to your, 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 uh, all the people. Because it was like 100 people at the camp and they, they wasn't getting no film. Right. Uh, well, no, so I, 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 let me backtrack. I, I started passing out cards to everybody like saying, hey, I'm, a, I, I'm filming these games on this court. You could pay $50 for them. Yeah, so I said, because I, I said, I went out to Vegas with no money. I said, shit, let me make my money up for the trip. Yeah. So everybody started buying, and then I gave the director my card. I said, man, I could film your whole camp, and we could offer it as a package and stuff, and I could sell the films and stuff like that, and I'd get people off your back. And you know what he did? He put my card in his pocket. He said, all right. And then he just walked off. I went. I was staying in Bally's Hotel at the time, mm. and I, I went back. I, I played a little bit of uh, blackjack. I didn't have much money, mm. so I, my goal was to always win a meal. If I could make twenty forty dollars on the table and get a free meal, I would. So I did that, and I went to sleep because I was tired. I'd only been there for a day. Yeah. I, w I woke up at like four or five in the morning because remember I'm on East Coast time. I had like forty missed calls. Dang. Because from all the eight, like you remember, I passed my cards out to everybody. <laughs> they want so the bill. They like, man, can we get the film? Well, they wanted me to come back the next day. So they mm -hmm. only played one game that day, and they played like three the next day. So mm -hmm. like, man, can you come back and film my game? Can you film my player's game? And I went through all the voicemail, and I eventually stopped listening to them or looking at the text because I had so many. And I said, let me click on one more. 
And the last voicemail I clicked to was the director of of, of the uh, of it, and he said, "Hey, he said, hey man, I, I'm sorry for blowing you off yesterday. Can you come back to the gym and we make a deal so you can film my camp? Because everybody's complaining that we don't have film." This guy. This I, and this how I started my my company. Basically, I didn't even have a I, so I didn't even have a name. You know what the name was? What? D A B Productions. Just my initials. Because I didn't have. <laughs> that works. It, yeah, so that's how that's how I made my company DAB Productions. So I, they asked me for he, they asked me for a name. What's the name of your company? I couldn't think of nothing. I went blank, and I just said DAB Productions Entertainment. It's my initials. Oh man, what a way to start a company! <laughs> and that's, but th- that, so that's not even the end of it. So now I'm in the gym. So remember, it's a camp, Rob. They said he asked, "Can you film two courts?" I'm mm-hmm. by myself. Oh shit. How am I supposed to film two courts? The first game started at 10. I get there like at 9.45. And I said, I don't want to lose this opportunity. So remember, this is 2012. So remember, ain't no Uber or nothing like that yet. You can't get on your phone and get an Uber like that. Uh, So you remember, you still got to just, you taxi heavy, especially back then. Yeah. So uh, I had to go outside. Remember, it's UNLV now. It's Claflin times 20 hot. (laughs) So I had to go outside. (laughs) It ain't the same. They make Claflin for like Antarctica out there. You know what they just say. Yeah. So I had to I had to flag down a so I was I was sitting there and I had to think fast. I said, give me a second. I walked out and I called my mom. I said, Mom, I don't know what to do. She was like, she was like, uh, boy, you you uh, need to go to Best Buy. She said she looked up a Best Buy. People don't understand how far the internet was. It, it still wasn't how it was now. Yeah. She was like, she said, where are you at? I told her where I was at. She had to go on the physical computer and look up. You remember location services yeah. wasn't out back then. Map quest. So she had to, yeah, she had to do that to see where I was at to find the best buy. She said, if you get a tax, it's going to cost you like $20. She said, you need to go to Best Buy and you can apply for what's called a Best Buy credit card. And you need to buy another camera and buy another tripod. And then uh, and then I said, well, I don't have the money. She said, because you're going to put it on the, on the credit card and you're going to take that shit back or whatever. Smart. So I, I went to, I, I flagged the taxi down. And I gave the dude an extra ten dollars. Said, "Bro, just wait, wait here for me." I went and got a Best Buy credit card. I spent like I maxed it out, got mm. everything I needed. Went back to the gym. They had a mezzanine area, like a track, mm-hmm. and I put both cameras at the top where they were arm length apart, and I could kind of get the whole court and I filmed the whole camp from the top or whatever by myself. Damn. And that's how I st- and, then, and then I took all I, I put all the game film on my computer, mm-hmm. put the camera and stuff back in the box and took that shit back. And then that's how I started my company. <laughs> <laughs> so Best Buy, thank you. Thank you, Best Buy. Great customer great, service. Great customer service. <laughs> it was like, why are you returning? I said, that doesn't matter. Return policy, you got 30 days. I put everything back. Yo, that's what I call hustling, yo. Yeah, and that's how I started my company. And then to this day, the agent, you know, he's like a uh, like a big brother for me. He's the one who helped me get my start overseas because he was an agent running camps. Mm-hmm. And so from that point, I did all of his camps. So I was making a thousand to two thousand dollars for every camp he was doing. He was flying me out, paying for the hotel, nice. and I was getting paid. And then that's how I started my brand. And then he the one who helped me get overseas and stuff on top of that. Because on top of me filming his camps, when it was time for me to go overseas, I was close with him. So, you know, he helped me put me in those positions. Nice, nice. So what was that like playing overseas? uh, It's like the first place I went to, and it wasn't actually through my agent. It was one other person. The first place I went to, 
well, it was through him. I went to Spain. I went to Madrid, to Fon Labrada. And so it was different. I wasn't ready. Because uh, remember, at this point now, I've only played uh, six years of high-level basketball because I had to play JV my first two years because mm-hmm. uh, I had to catch up and then get real good. And I played varsity for two years. And then the, the four years at Claflin and at Southern Poly when I transferred. So I haven't been playing high-level basketball that long. So I wasn't ready for that level when I first went overseas. It was it was just different. I just wasn't there yet. Okay. Uh, and then obviously, remember, the phones and everything wasn't like that. So you really didn't have a phone playing like that. They were too expensive back then. You had to do everything off Wi-Fi. And they didn't have a bunch of streaming stuff back then. So it was a little hard. It was harder. Remember, this is 2013. Yeah. So it's yeah. not like you, was, you couldn't. I don't remember if Netflix was out. No. Well, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Maybe. Like it was, but you, but you wasn't streaming like that yet. Yeah. Like that, you had different sites and stuff you could go to. But like, I couldn't watch a basketball game from back. Like it was just different. Uh, I ain't trying to sound old, but it just was not the same. You couldn't call. <laughs> you making me like, feel real old because I I know uh, the struggle. I was teaching yeah, you, this whole time. You're doing all this. I'm literally teaching kids. Yeah, you back then you couldn't call like the call people back then. You had to download apps, so you had to get like a, a calling card. Yeah. Like the call back home. Like it was too expensive to call back home. There wasn't no, um, like, uh, like, like the iPhone didn't have the blue bu- bubble yet. It wasn't no <laughs> FaceTime audio. <laughs> None of it. Not back then. Yeah. So it was like, like if you want to use your cell service, like in another country, this shit was expensive. It's not so, like how it is now where it's cheap. Yeah. When you're paying $10 or $5 for the damn day. Yeah. Uh, and apps wasn't like that yet. So it was kind of rough. And then as the years went on, it got a little better. But even when I went to Australia, they didn't have Uber down there. Because remember when Uber finally started and Lyft, it still wasn't global yet. Mm-hmm. So getting around was hard back then. You had to ride trains and taxis and stuff, but it wasn't. It just was hard. What was your favorite place? Then. Australia, and that's where I continue to go to this day. I go back and forth to Australia, and, and hopefully. Once my hip heal and I have my second surgery, I'm going to go back to Australia. So Australia is the only place where you can live and play to me because uh, it's, it's Americanized. So it's just like being like in L.A. basically. Oh, word. So, yeah, so it's English speaking, nice weather, uh, no language barrier, uh, no culture barrier. Um, it, it's, it's a beautiful place and all the cities are coastal. The people are nice. So, uh, and the basketball is still good level where you can have a life and, and, and still play basketball. People understand when you go to Europe, your life is basketball. Right. You're practicing one or two times. In Australia, it's more of a living thing where you're practicing two, three times a week, maybe four. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, a lot of players have jobs and the travel is either Europe. That's all you're doing. So I've always loved Australia more because it's more of like playing in the States and you can get a job if you want to during the day and stuff. More you train the kids. There. Yeah, it's more of a balance. In Europe, you're, it's a job. Hmm. And so for me, with me doing all my company stuff, Europe – really doesn't fit me, especially at this stage in my life, because I don't want to just wake up, have to go to the gym, basically, basically like college. Yeah. I want to be able, if I want to go to the mall, go to the movies, go to practice at 8, then not have practice the next day. I just work out on my own. That's how Australia is. And you play on the weekends. Dope, dope, dope. Never been right. to Australia. I got to put that on my list. All right. So let's talk about Evolve Sports. What? 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 Okay, so you told us how it started, basically. Well, so I'll be a high got into that. So like I said, I started DAB Productions first. Mm-hmm. That was just a production company. So then eventually DAB, I still have that as a company, but that yeah, that's what turned into Evolve, basically. Okay. 
Yeah, so uh, so I've been running DAB at that point since 2012, and it was just mainly filming basketball games. So I came back from Norway in like 2017. So now 2016, yeah, 2016 going into 2017, I got cut. So I was in Estonia, then went to Norway and got cut. And it's like now, you know, you get you 26, 27. If you're getting cut or don't have money, it's like, all right, you got to start being realistic. Or do you want to keep staying at your mom's house? Or, and right. doing all this stuff. So I had to make decisions. And I said, well, maybe I could get into basketball training and stuff. So I started training kids with my one of the guys who helped put the basketball in my, in my hand. Uh, but he couldn't really train because he was older, but he had all the connections to get kids to the gym. And we right. worked on and we did it 50-50. We would split it. But obviously the small problem with that is obviously I would be spending two hours training. He would be getting all the people, but his health started deteriorating. So he couldn't come to the gym and stuff no more. So I was like, man, I need to find a way to make this a company so I can have stuff in me just doing the computer and, and help me and stuff like yeah. that. And so that's when I decided I need to, I, well, I saw the struggle that kids were having to get to college like I did, which it was a struggle for me, but it was an adventure. And I said, well, I could make an app. Yeah, I remember apps still wasn't like that. Like, like right. that. I said, I could make an app where kids could get all these workouts that I'd be doing in the gym every day. They could get it on their phone. Right. At this time, I remember there was no basketball apps. Now it's, I have a whole bunch of copycatters. If you look up basketball apps, it's a bunch of them now. <laughs> yeah. But look up when the first basketball apps came about. I, I, there was no other basketball apps. It was one basketball app and it was terrible. Mm. So I, I, uh, I said I, I, I wanted to make an app like the Home Depot model, right? Mm. Home Depot don't specialize in nothing, but they have everything you need. And it could get everything you need. So I wanted to have a training app that had weights, nutrition, uh, basketball training videos, all that stuff. Nice. And that's how I started. And then, so that's how I started. I had a friend who knew some app developers in Pakistan, and I was able to create the <laughs> graphics. Yeah, so I got my app developed by Pakistani developers, and that, that's how I pretty much created the, the Evolve app, and I launched that in spring of 2017. What was that like for you after you launched it? Uh, it was nerve-wracking because um, so launching the app, like, man, I had, like, 50,000, like 20, 30,000 people who pre-subscribed to the app because they was anticipating. Because you remember, I was promoting on social media and nobody, like, had never seen an app or anything like that before. Yeah. And so on the first day, like, my app crashed. I had people that downloaded it too early because I put it in the app store and people was anticipating it so bad. So they was downloading it before it should have been downloaded. The first hour, I made, we made, like, $4,000. And crazy thing is, bro, I was disappointed because I had like 30,000 people who pre-signed up. Right. And what I should have did when the app, since my market was kids, I had people that pre-signed up, meaning they uh, they saw a promotion, they put their email, they, they put their email and their age and stuff. I should have made the app like 99 cent or did like a mass free trial, but I didn't know what I didn't know back then. Right. So I was, so it was like 499 back then for a monthly subscription. I should have did like a... Like, you know, Apple and them do it now, and they learn, too. You do, like, a two, three-month free trial, you can get everybody to sign up. Exactly. Remember, this is 2016, 17. New, People new wasn't today. doing that yet. Right, so if I would have did that, I would have had millions on it, but that's neither here nor there. But And it crashed because I had so many people. I didn't know nothing about service space. I was using this thing called Digital Ocean, mm -hmm. which I should have been using, like, an Amazon uh, server where you can expand and fluctuate. You know, I was paying for a server where, you know, you pay $200, but when it get full, it get full. Uh, so like I just didn't I didn't know so um, I fixed all those problems but I was running out of money and I was training kids and stuff and I, I started watching Shark Tank a lot uh -oh. and I was like 
Yeah, and I was like, man, I said I could bring on angel investors and raise venture capital money for it. And that's when I was able to bring on my first angel investors. And then I started going to um, to pitch competitions. Nice. So, so I went to pitch competitions like in Philly. I went to multiple pitch competitions, different where I pitched it to investors and stuff. And I started learning about investing. I went to Silicon Valley. I went to all these different places. And um, and then I started learning, you know, more about the business side of, of making a company. And then I said, well, I need to go to an accelerator program. So, you know, they have, you know, you have accelerator programs like uh, Y Combinator and and uh, Techstars and all those uh, different Never accelerator programs. Okay, so, <laughs> <laughs> so accelerator programs where you go for like three, four months and you learn, you know, you have classes pretty much every day, like going okay. to school and they bring in investors and mentors and other business owners and stuff. And then you do all this to get ready for a demo day, like Shark Tech and then you pitch to investors and then, you know, they you, you pretty much sell your company for sh shares, basically. So you, like you might pitch for a million dollars or 10%. So they teach you how to raise money. Mm -hmm. And so the, the, the program gives you money. Say so like Techstars is one of the major ones that give you $100,000 for like 10%. And then they get the right, the first refusal where they could put more money into the company and then they introduce you to all these investors. So you're giving up equity and they're giving you money, giving you money because they're um, because they're putting you in this program. So they're giving you all these perks. Like you're literally waking up, you go into class every day, they're teaching you how to make a pitch deck, how to make a business plan. They bring in investors to you, they're nice. teaching you how to pitch. So you so that's why you're giving up the equity and then the last day. They bring, say, 100 investors and you go on stage and you pitch to them like Shark Tank. Except for they don't, um, it's, they, it's not a bidding war like right then and there. When you get off the stage, then you start doing your, you start organizing your one-on-one -on -one meetings and stuff. Dang. So Shark Tank is like, so it's just like Shark Tank, but Shark Tank only show you the first part. So they just imagine if you had to prepare for Shark Tank for three, four months, and then you don't make a decision that fast like on camera. That's what it is. And That's how it. old were you at this point? 27. Bro, you're a mature shit yeah. for your age. Well, so that's not even a thing. <laughs> so uh, that's not even a thing. I didn't get accepted to none of the, the big accelerators in the states. I got accepted to an accelerator program in Germany. Wow. So I had to go to I had to go to Berlin, get, pay all my own expenses, use all my own money or whatever, and go there to Berlin for three months to get into a program because I believed in the company so bad. So I got into the lead accelerator program with through the Adidas family. So the Adidas family started a, a program for sports and innovation. So I, I, I saw it online, and, I, and we, I was the only American company that got accepted. And there was 1,500 companies that got that Ooh. applied, and they only accepted 12. Dang! And, only, and it's only six of the companies, including ours, got money after the program was over. Bruh, hold on. I got to take all Yeah, I got to let the audience yeah. take that in. <laughs> yeah. Yo, you writing I'll a book. Please tell me you're writing a book. Nah, man, this part, this really the first time I've ever regurgitated all of this, what happened in the last four years. You got to write it, bruh, this is, this is unreal. I only, I'm embarrassed to say what I was doing at 27. Like, it, it wasn't this. Yeah, I was this. a journalist. I, yeah, I gave up my basketball career and, and went there. And the crazy thing is when I went there, I ended up getting on a team while I was out there. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I ended up finding a team and I worked, tried out for the team. And I, so I would go, I would be at class all day. So you would go to the accelerator program from like eight to four, eight to five, depending if you have to do stuff in the afternoon. And I would get on the train and ride, a, ride on the train for like 30, 40 minutes to this town far as hell outside of Berlin and go to practice, get out of practice like at 10, get back home like around 11 ish, and then get back up early in the morning the next day. This is, this is, your story is 
um you need to write a book you you have to write a book you have to like other young black men need to see this and i, and I love the fact that you traveled so much and you weren't afraid to leave no i wasn't afraid to leave i took the risk and any money i saved up remember to go to berlin i had to get my own flight i had to find my own place to live and then i had my two co-founders so i had to make sure they still had money and stuff so i brought them two with me yo kudos to you man that that's a lot <laughs> that, that's a lot you know what i'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna take a step back because I feel like I need to do a part two with you. So My, yeah, yeah, because I, I ain't gonna lie, I'm not even halfway through. I think I'm 39. I, there's so much that happened from then to now. So we could do a part two. We gonna definitely do a part two. But before we do that, where are you at today with the company? What is happening with the company today? So uh, I'm building a new app right now. That's why I said we just got to do a part two, and I'm going to break down what we're going to talk about in a part two, so I'm not going to elaborate too much. But right now, I'm building a new app, um, basically because after COVID, mm-hmm. uh, every every trainer and every kind of training company, they're making, um, they're making online training stuff. So I figured instead of Evolve, which was me and a couple of my guys, I needed to make the platform for the trainers. Ah. So instead of me competing with all these trainers across the world, Well, I said, why don't I just make the YouTube for them where they use my platform and I take a small percentage of what they make on subscriptions and sales and stuff. And I don't have to compete with them no more. So that's what I'm doing now with the company. Uh, That's on the digital side. And on the physical side, I'm building a warehouse right now where I'm renovating a warehouse and turning it into a workout facility. And then I'm building a 16,000 square foot sports complex in Tucker, Georgia right now also. A sports complex. Right. Yeah. When? How did you? Well, I guess. So I guess at the end of well, not the end. You're you still at the beginning stages of part of your journey. Where did that? How did that vision come to light? About like having my own place. Yeah. I mean, I. Uh, I mean, shoot. I mean, all these other trainers and companies and stuff. I. I, I mean, it really mainly started at COVID. Honestly, if COVID wouldn't have happened, I wouldn't have did it. Hmm. So when COVID happened, you know, like a lot of revenue stopped. So, you know, we made a lot of money training in the gyms and stuff, but you can't make money training the gyms if you lose access to all your gyms. Yeah. So, like, you know, we lost access to the high schools and, you know, only people who was able to train were people who had connections at private gyms. And I said, I never let nothing stop me from making money ever again, ever. And so, uh, <laughs> so I, I had money saved or whatever. And I said, what's the, the thing that doesn't lose value? And that's land. Facts. So I knew I knew people was going going through crisis and was trying to sell stuff. So I found some land that was in a good spot right off the highway, and then I, I was just looking for land all over the city in the middle of COVID, and I was able to get a good deal on some land. I used pretty much all the money I had or whatever, and I bought uh, the land cash. Dang. And here we are today. So yeah, so I've been sitting on the land now for I bought it in like September October. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I'm not sitting on it. Obviously, I've been developing it, uh, but yeah, I haven't built on it yet. But yeah, I've had the land since like September, October, and it's already run up in value like by fifty thousand since I bought it. Woo! So, share your vision with the audience of what you're trying to do, man. Because I, I like what you put, but I, I, I want in your um, questionnaire. But I, I want you to express that to the people. Right. So I want to have a place. Um, so right now, I'm actually building a warehouse right now. So. The thing that I didn't know, because I, I, all the stuff I did, I ain't never been in construction before. I had to learn all that stuff. 
the build actually building from the ground up takes a lot. You have to do soil samples, grounding, uh, electrical, all that stuff. You have to get a big loan for all that stuff. But right now I'm building a warehouse. So the goal is to open four warehouses in the city of Georgia. And the warehouses are basically mini half courts. Mm-hmm. And basically you could, uh, you know, you could have four or five kids per court. And then we have a small workout station in the back with uh, weights. So those are going to be, I'm opening my first one in the Shamley Buckhead area in uh, like a month or so. Then I'm going to open one on the west side of town, the south side of town, and the north side of town on 85. And so once I open that, that once I once I open that one, um, that'll be my four warehouses and I'll have my one big gym. Yo. So that's what I'm doing right now. So uh, And then my next goal was to open one in the Carolinas area. So I was going to do the same format. Um, basically, I, the model that I have is like the Chick-fil-A model. So I train her like in Chick-fil-A. Uh, they don't just do like the McDonald's models, basically. So you have to be working in that place mm-hmm. to be, become a manager and the owner of it. So anybody who owns and manages Chick-fil-A, they work there first. Gotcha. So that's the same thing with the trainer. So say if you want to train up, want to own one of your gyms, you have to train at one of my gyms first, then become a GM, then you're able to become a, a owner once we open up another one and oh. put money up. So that's that's the model that I have with them. Yo, talk about giving back to the community. Well, that that you're you are like the modern day playground, man. Like <laughs> that that's so dope. That's just so dope to think about, man. And and it's coming to fruition. Um, wow. My mind is blown. I wasn't expecting half of the stuff we just, we've talked about, man. And your journey is, is amazing. I feel like I ain't working hard enough now. Man, I, I mean, I try to work. And I couldn't even type all this stuff because I just took my medicine. People understand. I just had literally arthroscopic hip surgery with four incisions in my head. So I'm like on heavy oxycodone and. And uh, and other medicines and stuff, so that's why uh, like I couldn't even type like that. I was going in and out at that time, but now nah, you you, uh, you did a great job. You you gave yeah. me what I needed, man. And yeah. and with that, I'm I'm gonna let you go because you're recovering uh, and things right. of that nature. But anything else you want to say to the people? Anything else you want to promote? Shout out, um, please let them know. And I'll also put it in the description below. No, I mean. Uh, the Evolve Basketball app, that's the Instagram page. So just at Evolve Basketball app, and that's where all I have. Everything is Evolve Basketball app. Uh, you can find everything from there. And we're going to do a part two. Like I said, I'm going to send Rob some more details about stuff because I didn't even get into telling you how I, sold, how I got a lot of this money, how I sold the company that with an intellectual property to a company in China. So what? I didn't even get into that stuff. Yes, man. Right, yes, that's how you, you get the real, the real money. You got to get a licensing deal in China. So. This guy, we definitely, we definitely need to. Yeah, we got a part two, yeah, for sure, man. But brother Butler, thank you again for joining us. Um, thank you for taking time out, man. Um, I really, really, really appreciate it, and thank you for just sharing that story, man. You know, here on my podcast, uh, we like to talk about things that are happening in our lives, and I like to have guests like you on to share their journey because there's a little boy or little girl out there that may hear this or someone in their early 20s or even in their late 40s who may be dreaming or thinking about something and think it's not possible then they can hear this story and be inspired man you inspire me man i'm not working hard enough i got i got stuff to do tomorrow i'm really thinking about it now you like some of the stuff you've done so far people haven't even come close to touching in a lifetime man so what you're doing is amazing and i'm gonna say it again you need to write a book I, you're right. I need to. I, you gave me the inspiration for that. But like I said, I do want to You schedule that part two next week or next month or whatever. I, I got you covered. 
I will do that. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for joining us. And y'all know you can follow us, FME underscore podcast, on Instagram, From My Experience Podcast on Facebook. And you can follow me personally, complete underscore vision. Uh, Jessica, you can follow my co-host. She's not here, but that's all good. Her information will also be in the description below. And until next time, y'all take care of yourselves physically, mentally, financially, and we'll see y'all next time. Peace. Peace.